0: Hey everyone, I'm Dave Alley, this is All Things Climbing. In this episode, I sit down with climber and Rhinoskin founder Justin Brown. Justin and I were both at the Outdoor Retailer Trade Show in Denver this summer, so we decided to take a break from the craziness of the show and sneak into an unused conference room to record a conversation about all sorts of stuff. Of all the great community-related topics that Luke and I discussed for this show, one of my personal favorites is hearing from climbers who have decided to carve out a life in climbing or outdoor sports in general. Often these folks work as guides or as trainers or coaches, but for some especially enterprising folks, it means going whole hog and starting a business from scratch. With several years of experience at various startups myself before I temporarily hung up my lab coat, I can confidently say that this is way more work than it sounds like, for typically way less glory than you hope for. Nevertheless, there are folks who persist and we're better off for their effort and innovation. Folks like Justin or Will Anglin and Ben Spaneth over at Tension Climbing, for example, bring fresh eyes and a wealth of insight to our sport, and I love hearing about their experiences. So naturally, Justin and I talked about what it was like starting Rhinoskin Solutions, but we also talked about the work he does as a volunteer board member of the Smith Rock Group, his years of working as a chef, and why we think belaying is the sport of the future. I should note that during the conversation, I made a reference to a video of Adam Ondra climbing in Canada from earlier this summer, which was released by Black Diamond. This video had just been released when we recorded this, but the original has since been taken down from YouTube due to a permitting issue between the parties involved and the Canadian provincial parks. For those interested, the video is called Adam, Andre, in the Rockies, episode one, and you can still find it pretty easily with a little googling. Presumably, an intended episode two fell victim to the same permitting issue, so as far as I know, it's just the one video, despite the title. Before we get into that, I wanna let you know that this episode is brought to you by Bivouac Coffee. Bivouac is a small climber-owned outfit based in Evergreen, Colorado, and they're making outstanding coffee which they import and roast themselves batch by batch. Not only is it smoother and tastier than what you've got in your hand right now, it's all naturally processed, which means the fruit is dried in the sun rather than washed to yield the bean, which saves incredible amounts of water for each cup of brewed coffee. Bivouac Coffee is obviously awesome to have around the house, but it also makes a great gift and you can even use it instead of a diamond when you're planning on proposing. They support 1% for the Planet, the Colorado Avalanche Information Center, and Big City Mountaineers. They're the real deal, so check them out next time your seven-month-old thinks 5 a.m. is an appropriate time to get up for the day. Speaking of supporting nonprofits, Luke and I are still donating 100% of our proceeds from this show after our costs to the Access Fund and the American Safe Climbing Association. So subscribe, give us a rating on iTunes, and tell your friends about the show, all of which helps folks find us, which in turn helps us raise money for these critical organizations. Now back to my conversation with Justin.
1: All right. Where are you in town from? Bend, Oregon. Okay. Are you from Bend? Uh, Not originally. I grew up in Cleveland, Ohio, Shaker Heights, Ohio. Ah, Um, Climbing Mecca. Yeah, climb Mecca, just sandstone, just we have the grit we have a grit stone there. It's fantastic. Um, <laughs> nice. Not a destination. How so being from that part of the country, how did you first find climbing? Uh, I used to go to summer camp in Maine oh, and nice. the first place I ever rock climbed was this granite boulder. It's a glacial erratic. I think it's the largest glacial erratic in America. It's eighty feet tall, um, like twenty miles away from the White Mountains where it came from. Nice and what's it called? Uh, uh, jockey's Cap. Jockey's Cap. Okay.
0: Yeah, I have not climbed there. I'm from uh, Massachusetts, but oh, I, haven't, I haven't made
1: it up that way. Yeah, we it's used to go little... to Shag Crag. Oh yeah, Shag Crag is great. Yeah. Um, it's little. It's got like a couple twelves, a couple thirteens, boulders, and a bunch of five eights. Yeah, that's awesome. And so that's where I learned to rock climb my first time ever. Was it somebody introducing you? Yep. Um, just some counselors took ten kids out to go rock climbing. Yeah. So, yeah. Top rope session, and um, I didn't really catch on to it until I was like. 14 and i came home and i was like i want to rock climb yeah had had you been doing it a lot to the
0: point like where you said okay this is really for me or was it immediately i love this i gotta do this forever
1: um i would rock climb a few times a year from eight till 14 years old and then a climbing gym opened up in 1994 in cleveland and those two uh i spent a lot of time rock climbing one summer and I came home, climbing gym opened up and I was like, this is where I want to spend all my time. Yeah. That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. I was
0: just thinking, I was out bouldering the other day and grew up in a place where there just wasn't much climbing to be had, or at least not enough of a community where I or was organically swept into it. Mm-hmm. And, um, I was just thinking, man, if, if, really accessible bouldering had been around when I was a teenager, I would have done so many fewer dumb things. I mean, maybe I would have done dumb
1: things on the rock or whatever, but certainly fewer just general teen stupidity. Definitely occupies your time. I mean, when I was in high school, I would have friends that would like party or I really don't know what they did Yeah, because I would go rock climbing with like 22 year olds.
0: Yeah. So I wish that was me and I was probably the one out partying. Um,
1: How did you end up going from new england out to oregon oh it's a long trip uh so a bunch of my college friends moved to salt lake and uh so i lived in salt lake for five years uh skiing working up at brighton ski resort running a ski repair shop um and just doing that skiing as much powder as i could yeah. uh my climbing tapered off uh through th- that time period uh i have Crohn's and so anytime I rock climbed, I seemed to injure myself. Yeah. Um, and so I was kind of working through that and doing a lot of skiing and then working, you know, summer jobs. Um, and then uh, one day, uh, so I, so like I said before, I wanted to be a guide. And then I broke both my ankles skiing. I was a ski patroller and broke, broke both my ankles. Uh, and I was like, well, I can't do this anymore. And yeah. so I started working in the ski shop. And, um, and then one day I was like, you know I like cooking. I enjoy it. I like the process. I'm going to go to culinary school. Oh no! And way. so uh, that's a real left turn. From yeah. Sports. Yeah. And uh, so I was in Salt Lake, and I was like, I've always wanted to live in the Pacific Northwest, and found a culinary school in Portland. Mm. Uh, moved out there. Uh, went to <clears throat> went to culinary school and really liked it. Just yeah. dove dove in. Uh, head in, head on and just got into it <laughs> so did you at, you go to
0: culinary school did you take that out and, and work in restaurants
1: after that I did okay. I worked for restaurants up until a year ago oh no way yeah wow um, but, you know I wash dishes and yeah worked on the line and worked as a chef, opened new restaurants, That's cool. had restaurants close on me. So yeah. I got the full experience. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. That I,
0: industry is a huge odyssey too. I did that for like 10 yeah. years before I went back to grad school. And especially in the kitchen, I, you know, I think there is a parallel to what you experience on in climbing if you... Maybe it depends on, on the person, but if you ever find yourself in a situation where you're quite gripped on a route, mm-hmm. having had that time where like you're in a kitchen on the line and the printer is just chirping nonstop mm-hmm. and the whole kitchen's going down in flames and stuff, it's just like, oh my God, I don't think I've ever had my stress hormones ratcheted up that high. Yeah, you know, yeah. Even even as a climber, you know, those days, like when things are going to shit in a restaurant, like the,
1: the they can go added, down fast. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And the atmosphere is unreal. Every year... Uh, I used to work in a restaurant or, uh, that would open up for six months out of the year and then we shut down. Yeah. And so for the three years I worked at that restaurant, the week before it opened up, I'd always have the same dream. And it is, I had, <laughs> That's a good sign. I had the menu ready to go. Oh, My staff no. was trained and then the ticket started coming in and nobody was able to read. Nobody had an <sighs> any clue what those tickets said and we yeah. were just holding it looking at each other being like what do we do now <laughs> i don't know what this is <laughs> supposed it was, to. Be. i would wake up and i'd be like oh my god this uh, is the worst <laughs> yeah totally it's like those little kid
0: dreams of yeah. like you're taking the test and you haven't studied and yeah blah, blah, blah. And you're just yeah. lost yeah. but i
1: i think climbing for me i might have flipped it uh because my staff, my cooks that I would work with, they would get so worked up when yeah. those tickets started coming yeah. in. And through rock climbing, you get into some pretty weird positions For where you're sure. like, oh, <laughs> yes. this is this might not be that awesome. Yep. And uh, I would just look at them and be like, guys, nobody's dying here. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, this is not an emergency room. Yeah, just you know? look at the ticket, figure out what you need to do, yeah. and do it. And well, we're just going to get it done. We're all going to go home tonight. Yeah, exactly. Um, so... You were
0: you've been doing Rhino for I think 3 years yep. maybe and um that's 2 years of <laughs> working in restaurants and doing Rhino it that's got, pretty it got epic. weird yeah <laughs> that's okay. pretty wild yeah so was there i guess one of the questions that i have for you about that was like when i was when i was washing dishes i remember that usually you're trying to wear those like big thick gloves right mm-hmm. but sometimes you just don't have them around yep. and um but the combination of, like, uh, I guess just, like, the chemicals that you're using and then being really careless with your hands as you're just, like, scooping piles of knives into a tray mm-hmm. and then also using, like, super, super hot water. is just like, absolutely devastating. I mean, did you have – I obviously, you know, you I presume anyway you came to the Rhino idea through climbing, but was there, like, mm-hmm. a restaurant component to that where you're like, my skin is wrecked from all this? Um,
1: I – Definitely when washing dishes, uh, I have very sweaty, greasy hands. Um, and I know that just makes me sound like (laughs) such a lovely person. (laughs) It's very, very charming. I'm just a mop of disgusting sweat. (laughs) Um, but, uh, I would find when I was done washing dishes, and I woke up the next day, I would never wear rubber gloves in the in the dishpan. Just dude, wasn't that for me. Is so bold. I just couldn't do it. Oh my um, goodness! Because I didn't like the feeling of like yeah, your hands sitting in water but, like, inside don't the Don't you like the feeling of having skin
0: on your hands the next day.
1: I liked the feeling of using extremely caustic. Degreasers. Oh, and then the next goodness. day, my hands were dry and like sandpaper. I and yeah. I would go climbing and they would stick to everything that's unreal yeah so i was into it i was like this is great and to this day i think about that i'm like man i should put one of those degreasers into a bottle but i'm pretty sure that would be illegal yeah yeah,
0: like the orange cleaner exactly (laughs) exactly yeah Yeah. the orange or the pink one (laughs) yeah Yeah. i guess before i do want to ask you a couple questions about this the the genesis of the company but Mm -hmm. as someone who came from a chef's background Mm -hmm. did you ever
1: imagine yourself making skincare products no never not (laughs) once ever and i constantly look at my wife andy and i'm like this is weird i make lotion do you think it's weird and she she doesn't seem to think it's as weird as i do but as a kid you know i was like i want to be a veterinarian i want to be a fireman i Mm want to be in the army i want to like not make lotion that never once came up absolutely never it was uh I don't know. I don't know how it happened, but it happened.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's a very common story. It's just fun to reflect on. I mean, I was a, I went from restaurants to working as an engineer for a bunch of years. And then now I'm stay at home dadding and my brother and I make this podcast and do stuff Mm -hmm. for blister. And, I definitely, like, I love doing it. I'm glad that I'm at this point in my life. But I also have these moments where I'm, like, holding a baby and I'm, like, listening to these podcast mm. provisions come in. And I'm just like, is this my life? Like, this yeah, is so it's weird. weird. Yeah, super weird. It's
1: weird. The Just the change of commerce and mm-hmm. everything these days. It's, yeah, it's fantastic, really.
0: How Like, how does the average person you mm-hmm. make like do you just order the raw ingredients and then mix it in a pot on your stove i mean how do you even know how to do that you
1: nailed it yeah. <laughs> okay <laughs> nice um so i am lucky i married a pharmacist oh, wow. um so with my cooking background i've been making salad dressings and soups <laughs> and emulsifications yeah. and i understand ingredients mm-hmm. and i understand product flow uh, uh I'm sure business people have a better word for it, but you buy stuff, you bring it in, you use it, and you understand that you need to buy more stuff. Yeah. And um, so for me, the, the making it smell good, making it feel good, and knowing the process of heating things up to whatever temperature you need to heat it up to, emulsification, cooling it down to whatever, adding more things, um, I understood that. Yeah. I knew how to do it. And the tools aren't, um, aren't like exotic. It's, it's a hand blender. The first one I ever made was in a bullet blender. Like a little, and I was like, this is not easy. Cause you need to add oil while it's going. So I drilled a hole in the top and it Mm. just wasn't awesome. And I could make like three bottles at a time. Um, but it was a proof of concept. Uh, and, and, but I would, you know, I'd read the back of a product and be like, Andy, what's this? And she'd be like, oh, yeah, that's this. It does this, this, and this. I'd be like, how do you, how do yeah. you know that? Right. And I'd look at another bottle of whatever and be like, what's this? And she's like, oh, yeah, that's a preservative. It does this, this, and this. Or what's this? It's a emulsifier or a thickener or whatever. Yeah. And so it came down huh. to, like, what don't we need in there? And it's a lot. If you look at some other products, (laughs) you don't need most of it. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah
0: what what is the extraneous stuff that tends to be in like name brand skincare products? Right.
1: Um. There's a lot of uh, preservatives, uh, stabilizers emulsifiers uh-huh. that you can bring in like stabilizers, stabilizers and emulsifiers that come in from all different directions. Okay. And that just gets texture the way you want it. Uh, texture, heat resistance mm. um, holds up to mechanical work when they're spinning it. Uh, it's antibacterial reduces mold content Won't separate and stuff. Yeah. And so, so me being like, well, we don't need any of that. Um, we will, people will attest to us not having the most stable product. I've gotten countless emails like, Hey, my thing is separated. Um, and I'll be like, Oh, did it get too hot? And they're like, yeah, I got, I left it in the car. And I was like, well, yeah, don't do that. Here's a new bottle. Yeah. Um, and so that took a long time to get over, but you know, it's always just like you messed it up. Don't do it again. Yep. I'll replace it. No problem. Um, and I think now, as of like pretty recently, it's it's a much more stable product. Okay. Um, it's still not as durable as the the supermarket brands because they sure. they don't have as much of a connection to their customer. If somebody goes into Walmart and buys a lotion and it separates in their car, they're just gonna be like, Ah, damn company, I'm not gonna Yeah. I hate them. But I think people feel comfortable enough with Rhino That they're like, hey, I left this in my car and it separated. Is that Mm. normal? And I'll say it's something we're trying to work through. Yeah, here's another bottle. Keep trying with us. We're trying to always get better. Let us know how it works out. Plus, I think there's,
0: and I don't, I'm, I guess I'm just guessing with this, but it seems as though if you, if you're like a vino or somebody, Mm -hmm. you're making millions of gallons Mm -hmm. of things that at least in certain places can be expected to sit on a shelf for a near infinitude of time. Yep. Right. And so there's probably a different need than say like me, the climber, who's going to order several ounces of Mm -hmm. what I need for like, almost like compared to regular lotions, like a tactical use, right?
1: Yeah. For a season. Yeah, exactly. And so,
0: um, yeah, I
1: think, I think what we have now, the performance cream has always been super stable. The, uh, methenamine, that is also the antiperspirant in there mm-hmm. so that's is, the active ingredient is the active ingredient it's uh it's an amazing emulsifier huh uh, that's so convenient. so yeah i didn't know that until i started blending it up i was like man this is like way thicker and then i read into it and um it's it's a food grade emulsifier um and antibacterial and you know it's 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 a great it's an amazing chemical people came up with yeah um but the repair cream has a really high percentage of salicylic acid uh-huh. and um so you know when you get older your doctor's like hey Let's reduce your chance, risk of a heart attack. You yeah. need to take aspirin. Yeah, take a baby so, aspirin a day. Yeah. Or whatever. So what that does is it makes the outside of your blood cells a little slipperier, uh, and so and salicylic acid is very similar to aspirin. Huh. And so when I put the salicylic acid in there, yeah. it makes that product really slippery. Huh. It'll go from a thick lotion with my blender in it to like really spinning again. Yeah. And so uh, it kind of makes the emulsification a little weaker. And that's why we were having trouble with it splitting. Mm. Um, And my blend, I got a much bigger, stronger blender to put it all together. It was just these steps of growing. Totally. Um, And so, uh, yeah, just like figuring all that out. I didn't Mm. spend 10 years figuring out the exact right recipe. I was, you know, like beta testing it on people, more or less. And they were, I was grateful enough to have customers give me feedback and just really stick with us and yeah. grow with us. It's been great. Yeah.
0: So the salicylic acid makes it a little slipperier. Is that to re, br, like bring down the texture or the density of the end product to a way that's like, I guess more usable, right? Cause I can imagine this right. stuff getting so thick that it's like zinc oxide
1: sunscreen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, the cell, sal- the purpose of the salicylic acid has uh, nothing to do with, with the feel of the lotion. Mm. It's not why it's in there. Mm. Uh, It's in there to help break down the top layer of skin. That's all chapped up and gnarly. Mm. So it, it, it's like a chemical file. Um, So you want to get rid of that top layer and have the nice, flexible, durable new skin on top. The ingredient that uh, makes the lotion not greasy is dimethicone. Okay. Dimethicone. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So the, dimethicone
0: and um methenamine and all these things like when i'm picturing you just doing this in your kitchen i mean are these things that i can order online
1: Mm -hmm. um yeah when we were starting off uh i got most of my product from amazon wow yeah uh and there's companies that probably buy hundreds of gallons of stuff and repackage it and i'd get these chemicals in bags where you're like really guys this is this is the packaging yeah it literally looks like somebody bought a bag filled it up with like their cup measure in their kitchen and slapped on an Avery label. Yeah. And granted, that's what we did when we were brand new. Like, <laughs> I totally we bought like... But you're not a chemical supply company. I'm not a chemical supply company. Um. Yeah, we bought Avery labels and they were white labels that said Rhino Skin Solutions in a glass bottle. Um, that's awesome. But yeah, it's kind of weird to like trust that. And actually one time I ordered... <laughs> I ordered uh, this, the emulsifying wax from this company that I really liked and I trusted them and I had ordered from them before and I ordered like eight pounds. It was one of the first times I ordered more like what for me was a larger order than I was ordering like by the pound and then I was like I'm ordering eight pounds. Yeah, And uh, it came in two pound bags and one of the bags was uh, acai berries. Uh uh, Wait, just the whole berries? Yeah. What? (laughs) Yeah, and I emailed them and never heard back. So yeah, I opened it up, and I still have the bag. And I was like, I don't know if you've ever gotten a bag of acai berries. I think that's how you say it, right? I think so. And uh, y- I haven't. It but... takes a long time to eat two pounds of those things. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And, and not only does it take a long time to eat two pounds, I'm not really sure that's exactly what they are. Because uh, they, oh no. they were labeled the emulsifier they're right. labeled emulsifying wax and
0: and you were just like oh I I, I work with food I, I recognize these
1: bears. yeah yeah exactly I was like I think that's <laughs> cool. what these are and I they thought t- you were going to say they ended up on a dessert menu somewhere no just, no like, no, just no totally no. hammered them yeah maybe I should start making bars out of a <laughs> nice. short yeah, run <laughs> short run of yeah. bars <laughs> Yeah,
0: <laughs> rhino skin berry solutions yeah. in the future.
1: <laughs> berry question mark? <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> oh, that's amazing.
1: Yeah. So that hasn't happened again, luckily.
0: One of the things <laughs> that um, that I think is the most interesting about about um, I guess this whole the whole space that you operate in is the you know for skincare the rhino stuff that you make is clearly the it's just the best stuff that you can find. Especially in the states, right, and it's 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 in a wheelhouse alongside other other I guess adjacent products like let's say um, Friction Labs mm-hmm. and their chalk, right? Where yep. there's this movement now. At least it seems this way from you know from my outside perspective that there's this movement as climbing has gotten bigger and there's more people now taking the sport seriously at a higher level. Mm-hmm. That there is the Collective demand to pay attention to the finer details in these, maybe like more underappreciated parts of our equipment, mm-hmm. like chalk in the friction labs example, or like what you do with rhino skin. And so th- by by consequence of that, it seems like th- that that stuff is, has really been adopted at the high end first and is now sort of making its way in terms of awareness down to the average climber, even if the average climber can benefit just as greatly, right? right. And so one of my questions for you is, how did you, like what level of climbing were you at in terms, of, like how far along in your career were you before mm-hmm. you were starting to think, okay, there's, not only do I wish that like I have a need as a climber, but also what's out there now doesn't address it like there can be
1: something better. All I right. should start this company. Uh-huh. Um I was pretty far along in my climbing career. Okay. I was basically at the peak of my climbing career. Um probably my banner year of rock climbing mm-hmm. for myself uh when I caught wind of antihydral. Yeah. Um I was like climbing 13 a 13 b projecting 13 c's and uh antihydral, i got my hands on and immediately it was like sent 13 c yeah sent 13 d and i was like oh this stuff really works yeah um and so i was using that and then uh yeah, I, I, sent, I sent like 14A using antihydrol, and um, I don't know. Have you ever climbed at Smith Rock? I have, yeah. Okay, so you know like the harder grades at Smith Rock, they take a lot of effort. Yeah. Um, bad Badman took me three goes a day, three or four times a week for a year. Wow. And after that, I was like, oh my God, I did it. <laughs> I'm going to go like climb so many things, but in actuality, it – it kind of like ruined me. Yeah. I, I, I think I like kind of peaked and then I tapered Mm -hmm. off. It just took so much mental and physical effort that I just needed needed a break. Mm -hmm. Um, but I still used antihydral, Um, and then I probably came up with Rhino two years later, kind of like getting back into it. I had stepped away. I'd taken that deep breath. The psych was coming back. Um, was going out rock climbing again, and uh, after Bad Man, I had like shoulder pain issues, and uh. I just couldn't go over get over them. I would, you know, I'd look at YouTube and try these exercises and blah blah blah, and it would feel better, and I'd go rock climbing again. I'd try and climb five twelve, and my shoulders would start hurting again. Um, so finally, like it all came together again. I could start rock climbing again, mm-hmm. and uh, we went down, started training again, and my wife had a lotion she liked using. I had antihydrol that I liked using. I was like, what happens if you combine them? Huh. And, uh, combining them, brought them down to Bishop with me and a bunch of friends and the climbing team we coached. And, uh, and I was actually the chef on that trip. I wasn't coaching at that time. <laughs> nice. And, uh, a great job. Yeah, it was awesome. And, uh, we all had excellent climbing trips. We all sent our hardest boulder problems ever had great skin. And I was like, there's something to this, yeah, and uh yeah. So I I I didn't come up with it at the peak of my career, but I came up with it after stepping away fr- from the from climbing at at a high level for myself, yeah, and then like re looking at the whole sport, I guess. Yeah, <clears throat> and that's so that's
0: like I, I think that that's a really interesting um you know reflection on this stuff, and in some ways it lends credibility to the importance of this kind of thing where you've got the the people who are at the highest end of the sport mm-hmm. taking it very seriously. And I think that the reason that's the case is because when you start climbing harder and harder, you, you see these diminishing returns in your progress.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And climbing in the beginning, I think, is partly... It's a very, you know, addictive sport for, you know, a trillion reasons that we could go into. But um, I think one of the things that makes it so engaging for people is that there's, it's a complex sport. There's mental dimension there's a physical dimension and all of this other stuff and technique. And, and, and that makes it such that there's so many areas in which you can improve all at once that the rate of learning to climb is like so fast initially mm-hmm. like every time you go out for the first little while you're climbing your hardest route ever yeah like the next time and then the next time you're like this is amazing yeah and yeah. then that totally tails very off. very tangible yeah. progress there's yeah. so much positive reinforcement and um and so as that stuff starts to to, to you know die out you you need to just say okay, well, I have to like work and pay Mm -hmm. attention to all this stuff. And, you know, when you want to try to send a route absolutely at your limit, like you're saying, everything kind of has to work in your favor, right? Mm -hmm. And so you need the right temperatures and you need the right humidity. And then eventually you're on to like, I need my skin to be in the right place. And like, I can tell the difference between how crumbled up this chalk is and like, blah, blah, blah. And then it becomes this thing where like, Mm -hmm. those are those are the the next, I guess, barriers in front of you trying to like squeeze more performance out of your, you know, your yeah. toolkit.
1: I I think when you're at your peak output, as well, you could get into a very narrow focus and a very narrow um, uh, regimen of of rock climbing and self care and and training, and so. I never really thought about this before, but the most valuable point for Rhino to get into people's climbing careers probably when they are past novice mm-hmm. in that intermediate, just starting to like hit that next level. Totally. Where their mind's open to trying new things when they're like, what can I use to get that extra 1%? Because for me, when I was doing. When I was one hanging badman, three days a week, nine or like nine goes a day, I was or nine goes a week, I was one hanging this rock climb. Yeah. I wasn't gonna change anything. Right, exactly. If somebody was like, "Hey, man, try this. Beta, it's yeah. gonna make like, you send," or yeah, here's some new beta. And not. it actually did come down to new beta. It was. Oh no. <laughs> my my wrist was wrong, and I just had to get my pinky on the hold and turn my wrist just a little bit, See, and like, I sent next go. Perfect example,
0: micro beta. Yep. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but. Yeah, I wasn't going to I wasn't going to change the type of chalk I was using. I wasn't going to change the shoes I was wearing. I wasn't going to change the rope. Nothing. Yeah. And so it took it took me to back off and then start that rise again. And probably yeah. when people are on that rise is the best time. So, when I first
0: heard this is years ago, when I first heard about people like paying close attention to their skin while climbing, I was like yeah, I'm not into that, uh-huh. you know, in part because I didn't think of myself as, as an elite enough climber and I didn't see the need. But then at the same time, the antihydra was kind of the only show. And mm-hmm. I remember people being like, yeah, it's amazing. Like it helps like with with this this and that but like you just got to make sure like i've heard some stuff about it being dangerous but then also you got to be careful not to get it in your creases because you're mm-hmm. definitely going to split and bleed everywhere if you get and i was just like you know
1: that's not that's for a, me no nah, yeah that's like yeah. not
0: for me at all yeah and um that was like i was a total skincare terrorist back then where i just like didn't <laughs> care it was like not taping in indian that's creek not- just out of laziness yeah. you know i've like, never heard that phrase before yeah Skin i don't think right. that yeah that's, you can uh, coin that right now <laughs> yes exactly you heard it here first um, but now, having since maybe like a year ago having conversations with people like will, you know who's mm-hmm. uh one of the best like tinkerers of rock climbing uh-huh. there is there's i sort of am aware of the fact that you're just leaving money on the table, even as an intermediate climber mm-hmm. to not consider this stuff, yeah, and the most eye opening experience for me is now <clears throat> as a dad, I spend a lot of time hangboard slash campus boarding in the basement Mm -hmm. I built this like super bootleg setup, but I can't get out of the house. So like, that's what I got. Right. And it's not, it's a great training tool, but when I'm training, there's a couple grips that I use that are more or less like open or half closed crimps, right? Like a 12 mil or 10 mil edge or even like a seven millimeter mm-hmm. so tiny little edges right and i had found but never really paid attention to the fact that when i was using those grips i have the prescribed amount of weight taken off in a pulley system right but i whether or not i can do the set came down to can i keep my skin dry enough because mm-hmm. i'm slipping off the yep. hold but not because of like fatigue yeah.
1: right? or if you're on like some of the tension wood you're like I need just the right amount of moisture. Yeah. It's too dry, you're out of there. Yeah. And you're not training yep. because you're just sliding off the hold. Yep. Right. And so it became it got to
0: this point where I was like, oh, I just I guess I just can't train that grip. Cause I can't, you know, whatever your rest interval is, it's like I'm like rushing down to chalk like my tips mm-hmm. to get back on this hole. And I was like, this is just dumb, right? Yeah. yeah and yeah. so I was having a hard time training anything smaller than full pad. And so that that was kind of the moment where I was like, "Oh, I need to do this," right? Not not just like, "Oh, I'm going to use this cream once a year when I'm going on this like mm-hmm. road trip to send some XYZ boulder," but like on a week by week basis. That's interesting. I have to like I- I don't get out as much as I would like and Uh I want to get the absolute maximum out of the hours that I am training. And so like I have to show up ready to to do that. Yeah. You know, I have one
1: hour and I have to
0: go. Like my kid's napping, I need to do this.
1: Yeah, I I went I had pretty similar experience. I would go from not having enough time to chalk up between hangboarding to like, I don't have to chalk up for the full minute, yeah, just because the chalk's staying on, my hands aren't sweating, yeah, and it's you can actually get that rest. You can hold on longer for sure, and then all of a sudden
0: you're you're in a position where you're like, oh, I can take five pounds off of my mm-hmm. counterbalance, you know, yep. and so that's like it has never been more clear that you're climbing harder than when you're like adjusting the weight of something yeah. that you're training on, right? And yep. so that's like. Yes, it's really it's one of those things evident. Yeah, exactly. It's just very in your face. And it's one of those things where if you once you once you once you look, you see it everywhere. Not unlike what we were talking about with the restaurant stuff earlier. Like once your eye is open to the details, it's Mm -hmm. everywhere and you will never unsee it. Mm -hmm. And like same experience for me with like paying attention to how dry my skin is or like how like ready my skin is.
1: Yeah, I one of the. best and worst things for me is you think starting a skincare company for climbers going to all these events i'd had owning my own business i'd have like a ton of time to go rock climbing <laughs> yeah. and it's quite the opposite <clears throat> my time of rock climbing has diminished yeah um it's not gone i'm still rock climbing plenty i'm plenty happy but i go to these events and you know, I was probably really busy for a week or two before going to the event and haven't been rock climbing outside or haven't been grabbing enough holds. And I look at my skin and I'm like, oh no. Yeah. And I know that I can do two days of dry spray and performance every day during these events and go rock climbing. Yeah. And my skin's going to hold up. I might be weak as a kitten, but my skin's yeah. going to hold up. Yeah, exactly. So for me, like you can, you can, I can use it to perform if I am like trying to send something or I can use it as like a short fix for my lack of rock climbing. I can like yeah. get my skin to where I need it to right. be. At least
0: like that's not going to be your weak link when yep. you go out. Cause I, that was the other thing is I, I had never been, um, into, into bouldering outdoors mm-hmm. until we had a kid. And that's just the most kid friendly yeah. form of climbing, yeah. right? Like, you know, multi-pitch Plop them down rock climbing like not your jam anymore. Once <laughs> yeah. you have a kid at the base and, um, and, and, I guess the, the type of climbing, like let's say you're, you know, trad climbing or multi-pitch climbing that I, I was really most interested in. I think you can really obscure the, the importance of things like how, how dry your skin is because you're, there's so much more to the experience, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Whereas in a a boulder, if you're just going to do five moves, absolutely at your limit, well then every factor really counts, Yeah, you know, whereas if you're going to go on sighting on a gear route you know you're probably not at that place where like well how tight did i tie my laces yeah that's going to be the send or not and and so now as like this like move into bouldering you you just like see it so much more concretely and i i had my first experience of just annihilating one pad on a crystal in Joshua tree and like days over next day not climbing like done Mm -hmm. done You know, and it had never occurred to me to be like, oh yeah, you should just, you should think about that in advance when you're going to somewhere like joshua tree or bitavu or something. right and, yeah you know some local climber had came over and was a super nice guy we're just chatting him up and he's like oh yeah you you know you, you can't do that can't <laughs> do that dude and he's like you either need to like have your skin ready to climb here or you need to only try this boulder problem twice mm. and then come back the next day
1: yeah I was like oh like I wish I had known that yeah man. I get plenty of people walking up to me at these events and being like what do I do with my hands I'm like dude way yeah, too late yeah, way yeah, too late
0: yeah totally and also invasive go
1: see a doctor yeah get back to me in 10 days <laughs> we'll talk about yeah yeah it. if you're like bleeding yeah the game is over yeah if you have hole yeah if you have holes in your hands and like white blisters yeah you're done yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're done. yeah we have got nothing to discuss for, i've yeah. got nothing for you sit down in the massage chair yeah, Grab yeah. a beer. yeah
0: totally oh my god so um, I want to ask you a little bit about the work that you do for the Smith Rock Group, actually. Okay. Um, I think that's r- really awesome that you donate your time to that kind of cause. And so do Thanks. you mind just outlying, sure. outlining, I guess, what that's about?
1: I can. Um, so Smith Rock Group has been around for 25 years. Um, the main goal of the group, it's a 501c3. Um, so any donations basically go directly to the park. Nobody uh, on the board takes a salary, the money gets spent on the park. Um, so we maintain trails, uh, we build steps, we build fences, we work directly with the park staff, uh, and the park superintendent to find out what needs work and what climbers, uh, would like to work on. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so we, we, uh, once a year, there's the spring thing. It has about 250, 285 people. Uh, the event's put on by the Smith Rock Group. And we split into like 25 groups of 10 people. And we move rocks, we build stairs, we build retaining walls, fences. Um, and then the rest of the year, we as a group do smaller, smaller chores, like cleaning off steps or doing like little simple things here and there and replacing anchors at the top of routes. That's badass. Right.
0: Are you guys affiliated with the park itself or do you just work alongside them? We work alongside them. Okay. Yeah. Um yep. how Yeah, so at, how can people I guess get involved is it, you know, yeah. Do you guys um, do volunteers and
1: Yeah, it's all donations? it's all volunteers. Uh, smithrockgroup.org uh is a great place to donate money. Um you can always uh, if you're a big company out there, we're always taking swag to raffle off. Uh, that's kind of where we get most of our income is uh, is through raffles and donations and auctions that we have on the event day. Um, but uh, yeah, if you're an individual, just look up Smith Rock Group uh, on Facebook and follow us and you'll get info on when the next spring thing is. I think next year it'll probably be around April 27th, which is my birthday. Okay. Ooh, nice. But, uh, yeah, it's great. It's Happy free beer on my you. birthday. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> totally. Um, moving big rocks around. Yeah. I-, I love it. I think it's so fun. Um, back when I was a kid, Jerry Moffat was, was the, the man. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know if it was an interview or uh, a book I read of his, but he used to just move rocks around for his job. He yeah. was a Mason. And I was like, that's cool. And so whenever I'm out there, I just tell people about Jerry Moffitt yeah. and that we all move the biggest rocks we can. And this past year we, um, we built these new retaining walls under, uh, the, under the ship, one of the wooden ships. Uh-huh. Um, there's like three gullies and they all have these wooden ship prows to them and it was just kind of washing away and kind of falling down. Smith is just a pile of choss, so the ground just falls away. And we took down all the retainer walls that existed and rebuilt them. And we are all so worked by the end of the day, but it's it's awesome. You look yeah, at it, and totally. it looks like it's been there forever. It's made out of rocks from right there, and uh, it's just it's great teamwork, and it's fun for everybody. Yeah,
0: and I mean, that stuff is the that's like the best of what climbing has to offer yeah. as a community, yeah. you know, is the fact that people, if you send out a call to be like, Hey, we, th- there's, there is a need f- for erosion prevention or trail building mm-hmm. here. Like people will email you back and say, yeah, I can do that. You yeah. Know, I have that day off. I'll, I'll come and just like sweat my ass off.
1: Yeah. It's and, great. Like, work really hard. And some people will climb roots after that. Yeah. I'm like, you guys are crazy. <laughs> yeah, I'm so going to go sit in the shade, drink water yeah. and just lay down. And, and really the, that day is great, but spending so much time out at the park, it's great to see people travel in and be like, whoa, this park's like really well taken care of. Yeah, It's only 650 acre park and it sees 750,000 users a yeah. year.
0: So much traffic.
1: It's amazing. And it han- <clears throat> it handles it quite well.
0: Yeah. I mean, it looks great, obviously. Um, it's, um, yeah, the, the degree of, of trail building and like, I guess manicure to, to the mm-hmm. staging
1: areas and stuff there is like really impressive. Yeah. It's fun. It's fun to, you know, I've been doing it for however many years now and my technique and skill has definitely improved and yeah, yeah, it's great. That's
0: awesome, man. Yeah. Well, thanks for doing that. I sure. really appreciate it. That's my, my uh, pleasure. On half of all the rest of us. That's, that's really badass. Um, would you say that Smith is your favorite place to climb? No,
1: no, <laughs> <laughs> no.
0: I guess I just assumed that because you end up in Ben, that that's like yeah. your, your your jam.
1: No, it's not. Uh, <laughs> that's amazing. I probably am one of the first people that people will be like, "What's your favorite rock climb at Smith?" And I'll tell you a rock climb that's in the Red River Gorge. Yeah, uh, Smith that's, is hard. It's yeah, hard. Sure. It's like, and the rock is weird. It's yeah. It's crimpy. It's highly technical. The moves are hard. They don't always work out. Uh, The bolt spacing isn't always friendly. Um, If you fall off, you're going to hit the rock. Yeah. It's just not that steep. Yep. And, uh, but but for what it is, um, it's the best rock climbing of its style, I would say. Yeah. Like super teched out mm vertical face climbing. Yep. Yeah, I I haven't been anywhere that's had better of that. Mm -hmm. Um, For pure fun, it's not the place to go. (laughs) It's not the place to go if you just want to go climb 510s and have a good day. Yeah. Because the 510s there are run out on tiny little crimpers on... Yeah, and they're greasy. And if you're in the sun, it's even worse. (sighs) Yeah, for sure. And if you're like, well, okay, well, if the 510s are hard, then I'll go try 5.9. Well... The first bolt's gonna be 25 feet up, and yeah, the next it, one's gonna be another 10 feet. Just out of curiosity, how does a local ethic like that come to pass? I mean, uh, stick clips are not frowned upon, first of all. Right. They're almost mandatory, right? Like it's yeah. built
0: in that you're gonna use one.
1: But sometimes the stick clip doesn't even reach the first bolt. Right. So. Um, yeah, what's up with that? I don't know. I mean, I'm uh, I'm
0: so about local flavor and cracks and stuff like I'm not <laughs> I, criticizing, I think but it's also kind of like the, well, you set out to do that deliberately.
1: The theory is the ground used to be a little bit higher, which uh, I totally can believe yeah, that it was yeah, like yeah. four feet higher up. Yeah. But not um, 30 feet higher, but not 30 feet higher. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think, I think the guys who developed Smith rock, Alan Watts and Brooke Sundall and you know, all those guys, there's tons of them. I can yeah. list them off forever. Um, and there and there's a crew before them, but but those guys were really at the start of putting bolts in the wall. Yeah. Uh they were awesome rock climbers. Right. And they were they're like from a different era. And- yeah. They were like we were climbing on nuts in Tuft and now we have these bolts. So like is easy rock climbing. We're not gonna put a bolt in. Yeah. You'll be enough. fine. Right. You'll be fine. You're not gonna fall off this. Yeah. But um, yeah, it doesn't make it like the most fun, enjoyable place to rock climb. No, it's true. But I love it. It's beautiful. It's yeah. it's like I've traveled around enough that I come back. When I'm gone, I'm like, I, I like home. And I go yeah. back to Smith and the eagles are soaring and the otters, there's little river otters. And yeah. there's giant... R- 600 foot towers. Yes. And so it's super it's awesome. It's a fantastic place. I, I, I had a great I've only
0: been there climbing for on one trip and I had an amazing time and did a bunch of super fun routes. But mm-hmm. you know, it's it's it's, hard. it's just one of those place yes, it is super hard. It's one of those places where it's you really like it and it's also kind of fun to hate on.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah, that's the like, best part. Yeah. yeah
0: like um the so out here in colorado the local equivalent might be el dorado canyon mm-hmm. outside of boulder i don't know if you've ever climbed there but i haven't it's like, actually it's um the climbing is great and the movement is unique like you're saying about smith and the rock erodes in such a way that the density of lines is, is incredible mm-hmm. there's an unbelievably high number of routes in a small cliff at the same time, there's like these different types of sandstone, some of which are quite slippery. There's a lot of choss. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of like places where there's no gear or there's like you get a handhold or you get a piece. Uh-huh. The choice is yours. And um, and people come and they're like, wow, do I hate it here.
1: Yeah. You know? It takes some time to settle in. And I can't like
0: I have no rebuttal to that. Right. You're like, yeah, yep. I get. Yep. Like those are all valid statements
1: yeah. right but yeah. you somehow like love it it's your local jam and that being said there's 110 foot vertical walls or like two degrees overhanging yeah like karate wall 512c it's got like three v4s in it the biggest jugs you'll ever grab yeah to rest on and it's 110 you need a 70 meter rope to get you almost all the way down, <laughs> nice. So that it's, counts almost all the it's way. It's just funny. fantastic. It's a beautiful yeah. route, and you have just laser cut aretes. It's yeah. It's it's a gem for sure. Yeah, it can't, is. can't. You can't not rock climb there. Yeah, Adam Ondra and Alex Migos. Yeah, <laughs> nice. <laughs> Speaking of Adam Andre, actually, I
0: really <laughs> wanted to mention this when we were talking about the high end of climbers really being obsessive about their skin. Mm-hmm. Have you seen the video I of just, Adam Andre's that just came out? With I just Canada? saw it. I saw that and immediately thought of you, and I've yeah. meaning to email it to you. But yeah, where he gets up there, complains about how glassy his skin is, which, first mm-hmm. of all, by the way, I did not realize was a problem at all. I yeah, swear. it's a thing. I sweat profusely, but yeah. apparently some people have that issue. Yeah. And So yeah, he gets up there, is complaining about how glassy his skin is, takes off what looks to be a ton of skin, and Mm -hmm. then hikes up with his hands in gloves (laughs) with moisturizer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) I was just like, damn, yeah, that's that is how awareness of that stuff reaches the masses.
1: Yeah, I saw that and I uh, texted my buddy Mike, who lives, who's up there right now, and uh, I was like, Mike, is Adam still up there can you please tell him about spit rhino spit it like it'll help him i'm pretty sure yeah and uh i think that that's one of those things like i was saying before if you're at the peak of your ability you're so focused in you have what you're doing yeah that you're not necessarily willing to make that change right and so yeah he didn't look like he was winging it no no (laughs) i i hope he contacts me i've sent him some messages but whatever
0: yeah totally for sure it's just
1: it's the it's i think the, it could help right no yeah absolutely get on that adam yeah but um he's clearly doing something right so right right yeah, yeah whatever no, exactly. is he gonna climb 516 with rhino probably <laughs> but if he just wants to stop at 515 <laughs> yeah. d that's fine
0: yeah yeah These like pedestrian yeah whatever oh my goodness yeah it's um <clears throat> it's it's outrageous to think and you mentioned a, a second ago the spit that you guys make that is mm-hmm. the that's a uh, a conditioner that you make for your skin for
1: people whose hands are too dry. Is that yeah, accurate? Okay. Exactly. Okay. It's uh, I call it encapsulated aloe. Huh. Um, so it's basically aloe that is, uh, it's got a little bit of a thickener gelling agent in there, lavender, uh, some acid to help break up that top layer of tissue. And uh, I think it works. I think mm. it works. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm.
0: And, so I guess on that, on that point, I think one of the main things that, that separates Rhino as being the next step up beyond antihydrol mm-hmm. is the fact that you guys have a range, mm-hmm. right? And so th- the whole notion is that you, the individual can show up and then titrate your, your skin hydration up or down yeah, depending exactly. on where you're at. Right. And not yep. have
1: to go like full nuclear mm-hmm. every time. Yep. And that's the only thing. Yeah. I- People will always come up to me and be like, hey, how do I use this? And my answer is always like, put it on your hands. Yeah, you're just going to have to tinker. I can't. I I actually have like a skin humidity tester that people use when I'm at events. I'll just put them on the table. It's like a voltmeter or something? Uh, Yeah. It measures the current across your skin. Exactly. It measures the resistance. And um, I don't know how accurate they are, but they're consistent. Sure. Okay. Uh, Uh, That's a a big part of accuracy. Exactly. (laughs) exactly. Uh, And so... During the day, I can tell, like people measure their skin, like you rock climbed today, didn't you? And so, and their humidity is going to be way higher than if you didn't rock climb that day. Or if you have naturally sweaty hands, you know, I can just, I can look at that number and be like, yeah, you probably need performance or you need dry or you don't need anything. um, So, but more importantly than that, you don't need that tool. You can just... Look at your hands and yeah. know how you rock climb and think critically about your situation. And you could either use tip juice, which is the same strength as antihydral, but not it's not in a talc, it's in an aloe base. Mm-hmm. So you're going to put a lot less on your skin. So it's yeah. easier to use. You can use dry spray, which is two thirds as strong, performance, which is half as strong as dry spray, repair cream, which is good every day. Yeah. And, or you could go the other way and use. Uh, spit to give you a little bit more hydration yeah. it's all about having flexible skin mm-hmm. if your skin's so hard from being dry and it's not flexible and elastic it's gonna split or just glass off of stuff right and that's that's I imagine in like in the functional sense
0: you've got this like if you're looking at the rock through, a microscope, Mm -hmm. you've got this like maybe micro level.
1: Mm -hmm. Exactly.
0: Right. And your skin needs to conform to it and not just rest on top of it.
1: Public service announcement.
0: Use a brush. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Yeah, there you go. Nice. So my last question for you is a little bit of a thought exercise looking into the distant future. But let's say as a hypothetical, climbing continues to grow and becomes Mm -hmm. a big sport. Okay. So do you think that There's a possible future where belayers are, that's like, that's an established vocation as itself as a caddy is to a golfer. You know, you can be like a professional belayer, you know, like the Adam Andre of the future has like a dedicated belayer and that's like a career.
1: I would venture to say that Adam Andre has a dedicated Blair already. <laughs> I guess. And yeah, I think that's this might, true. this might date back all the way to JB yeah. uh, or G Bay or I'm American. I'm going to say Chibot. JB. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think he had a dedicated Blair to go back to just do it at yeah. Smith rock. Mm-hmm. Um, is there sponsorship available for those people? Right. Well, that's, yeah. And oh. who would that be? Right. Is there a foot care sponsor? Is Chaco going to sponsor those people? I don't, I don't know. Do they get free gloves? That's a good question. We can. Who gets the rope? Does the rock climber mm. get the rope or does the belayer get the
0: rope? Maybe it gets thrown out to a fan like a game ball. Yep. You know? <laughs> the, the belayer gets thrown out to the fan. Yeah, yeah. Here's the belayer. Yeah, totally.
1: You could bid on it yeah exactly I think so I would have to just say yes straight across the board (laughs) yep there's a vocation yeah when people are like oh what do you do oh I'm a Blair I'm a Blair oh my god that's awesome did you go on a road trip like how'd you get into that yeah yeah I left home when I was 17 and you know I went out to Yosemite and played Blah, blah, blah.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I <laughs> uh, belayed Tommy Caldwell for a while, and then yeah. I got
1: turned over to this person, belayed on that route, and totally. like, belayed on the first ascent of this. and uh, Yeah. Oh, I need a belayer. Maybe when Rhino, hey, everybody, support Rhino so I can get <laughs> myself a belayer. Yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Everybody go to rhinoskinsolutions.com and yep.
0: set me up for Justin's belay duty. Yep. So yeah, I can totally, uh, cause you know, belaying is, is actually, I mean, in all seriousness is a real skill. Oh yeah. So Absolutely. So you can totally imagine that Absolutely. becoming like a thing, right. In mm-hmm. this, I mean, I, I guess I'm not a golfer and I've always been, you know, I know those caddies make like a lot of money and that's mm-hmm. a real thing, you know, and I just yep. look at that and I'm like, you're pulling a club out of a bag yeah you know? but you know yeah. I, like i'm being dismissive and saying that at the same Man, time like yeah. i think that that's probably how people think of belaying right? i never like you never talk about any
1: <laughs> yeah i, I mean having that supportive person at the bottom that knows just when to like get a little bit more excited and then calm it down mm-hmm. and like say just the right things it's just like yeah it's like talking it's about like henny and nine iron at 75 yards or whatever it is <laughs> totally and, yeah. One hundred percent. Yeah.
0: I think that's the future of climbing right there.
1: Okay, so here's what we need to do. You and me okay. don't tell anybody. <laughs> yes. Let's start the National Blair Association. Oh, it's, we'll get oh, yes. dues from everybody. We'll we'll get dues from the Blairs. We'll just be rolling deep. Yeah, exactly. And it can be
0: you know, it can go for a good cause, right? We can support climbing. Totally. It, yep. But, yep. but you know, you, you we'd be like a card carrying union job. Yeah. So good 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 work. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Oh man. Well, Justin, thank you so much for uh, for giving me your time. It is really sure appreciated. My pleasure. That. It's yeah. been fun. Thanks for listening. Luke and I will be back soon with another episode. But in the meantime, check us out on iTunes and leave us a rating or some feedback. We really like hearing from you.